This is the Jerry T Podcast. I'm Jerry Thompson, joined by Dave Shields. We just got back from the team event at SCG Cincy. I am absolutely exhausted. It is Tuesday, and I have taken basically like full two full nights sleeps at this point. Uh, and uh, I'm okay. I'm close to feeling like a human, but not quite there yet. And Dave, I think you had a rougher time than me. So how are you doing? How are you holding up? I am on the way back, but still a shell of myself. It was a long weekend. Yeah, which I don't know. How, how did we do it? <laughs> I don't think there's a good answer to that. You know, it's just like this thing that I keep thinking about where it's like we were maybe even worse during the tournament, yet still put up a fairly respectable top four finish, you know, pat ourselves on the back for that. But it's like, damn, uh, we could do this so much better in the future, be so much more responsible about it. And uh, I can't wait. I can't wait either. Um, I think we were pretty fortunate uh, over the weekend. Things tended to break our way when they needed to. Um, we definitely had our moments where, you know, we earned our spots as well, but uh, definitely not RA game or how I would ever recommend doing it ever again. Okay, well, let, let's talk about the tournament itself then because we have plenty to talk about. And on Friday, like, you know, late morning, kind of early afternoon, I'm getting ready to go to the airport and... I get the first email that's like, your flight has been canceled. You've been rebooked for later. And I take a screenshot of that, send it to our little group chat. And I'm just like, it begins because I had seen a bunch of rumblings about airline travel being like pretty, pretty spotty and murky for like a lot of people in the weeks leading up to it. And I like I saw it and it just didn't even cross my mind as like a thing I need to be needed to care about because I just hadn't had to care in such a long time. And then it's like, oh yeah, no, this is actually my problem now. And I was starting to wonder if like, maybe I should have booked for a day before, like should I have flown in Thursday to play around it or whatever. So uh, things honestly from my end ended up kind of going off without a hitch, but that I think was probably because my initial flight was at something like noon or whatever. Like I still had a big enough buffer where if I got some delays and recancellations or whatever, like I would have been okay. And I ended up making it into Cincy, I don't know, like 9 or 10 PM. And it was relatively painless. I did not have a similar experience or I guess it started in a similar way, but it broke very differently. Yeah. Um, my intent, my plan is I worked from home on Friday. I work a half day on Friday usually. So I finished around 12 or one o'clock. I had a 5 p.m. flight from Boston. So when I got your message, to be honest, I wasn't even worried at all. I have had pretty fortunate travel experiences in my life. I, up until this point, have, don't have any disastrous stories to tell. Um, but I should have knocked on wood when saying all these things. Um, well, when, so- I, when I first brought up the flight stuff, like when I first started hearing about it, you were like, yo, what, you know, shut up. You know, just yeah. like, don't, don't bring that, that bad karma into our lives. And I was like, yeah, yeah, no, you're right. You know? <laughs> yeah. So I worked a half day, scrambled, packed my bags in 20 minutes and left for my flight in Boston at around 2 PM. I had like a 4:30 flight. It's like an hour drive for me normally. Um, Boston rush hour traffic is already miserable and something that I despise. Um, I get about halfway to the airport and I get an unno- I get a notification on my phone that my flight's been canceled. 
So I'm in four lanes of traffic, frantically trying to find the phone number for the airline to be able to call them because this message did not have much context. And I'm also driving. So I'm not like reading the details of it. I'm like glancing down at my phone as best I can, trying not to kill anybody. Right. Um, And I find the 1-800 number for the airline, spend 30 minutes on hold in traffic with them and get through. And there's the only available flights for them to get me to Cincinnati in time are not out of Boston, but out of Providence. So my house is about right in between Boston and Providence. So after driving an hour plus north, I turn around and drive two hours (laughs) south to Providence. So this is kind of awesome because I got like the Cliff Notes version of the story and I didn't know all the specifics where it's just like, well, then you have to turn around. (laughs) Yeah. It's obviously so much worse. And I'm going to say this, that it makes the story so, so much more awesome, but like, you know, definitely not awesome for you or whatever. It's just more amusing to me, but not at your expense, you know? Yeah. So I went from having a direct flight to a connection and having to drive to Providence, but not the end of the world. And I drive to Providence through traffic, get there relatively easily um, with about 45 minutes before my flight's about to take off. And Providence Airport's pretty small, so that's relatively stress-free. Get on the airplane and on the tarmac, we have like 45 minutes of delays. I had a two-hour layover, so that wasn't a big deal. Plane takes off. I don't think anything of it. By the time I land in Washington, D.C., my next flight was already delayed another hour. (laughs) So So what what time are you looking to take off at this point? Like 7.30-ish, where is where it was delayed to. So still not bad. Not the end of the world. I think I was supposed to get to Cincy by 10 p.m. Still pretty reasonable. Can still get there, get some food, get to sleep before midnight. So I go grab a bite to eat at a restaurant in the airport. I sit down. 20 minutes later, flight's delayed another hour. 30 minutes after that, flight's delayed another hour. Now I'm starting to get a little nervous. (laughs) Yeah. So it was delayed all the way up until 10.30. At about 9.30... I get a notification. At this point, like disaster has not even crossed my mind. I'm basically thinking like, man, I'm going to get less and less sleep. But like not getting there was never even something that I imagined. And then at about 930, I get the notification my flight was canceled. And this one came with an automatic rebooking that said I would arrive in Cincinnati at 730 p.m. on Saturday. Yeah, this this is the worst shit of all this for me, where they're like, oh, don't worry, we rebooked you. And it's like, don't you realize that most of the time people are flying somewhere because they have a thing to be at? It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And it had to be automated and computer generated because it involved like 16 hours of travel with two layovers that were just like preposterously long and to make what would like be normally like a 90 minute flight. Yeah. And all they care about is like, oh, well, you want to be in Cincinnati at some point. Well, we got you there, you know? Yeah. No no harm, no foul, right? Yep. So it's at this exact point that I called you and yeah. said... And, and I had just landed. Yeah. And I was like, yo, dude, I'm probably not going to make it. I am standing in front of the customer service line for American Airlines, and there is 100 people in front of me. And honestly, the, the thing that happened to me in that moment was just like wave of relief washed over me. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah. oh, okay. So like... We probably, you know, we don't have to play. I can have a chill weekend, you know, no pressure. Like we get to hang out, maybe play some tournaments, maybe not. I'm just like, don't worry, man, not a big deal. Yeah. So 
I called the hotel through your name on the reservation so that you could check into the hotel. Got you covered there. Called my brother, Brian. Had the same conversation with him. I think his reaction was the same as yours, actually. <laughs> yeah, I love Brian, for the record. <laughs> first first time meeting him this weekend. Uh, and yeah, the, the fact that we were both just like, cool. Yeah, just get to do whatever I want. You know, yeah. love him. He's sitting there stressing, stressing over deck choices and his last few sideboard slots. And he's like, oh, that's so much easier than having you decide this. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm dead last in the customer service line and on my phone and just on dialing the 1-800 number as well. No expectation that that's actually going to work. And somehow somebody picked up. So while I'm talking to them and on hold, I'm also Googling flights from where I am to Cincinnati and like trying to connect some dots and see if there's any way this could happen. And I find two connecting flights through Raleigh, North Carolina that would get me to Cincinnati by 8 a.m. So Which the woman on the phone's te- like, technically works. Yeah. Technically works. The woman on the phone's like, no, you can't do that. And I'm like, what do you mean I can't do that? I'm staring right at the flights. Like they're there. It says they're available. And she does some computer stuff for like 20 minutes, is arguing with me. I'm trying to talk her into it, being as nice as I can. And long story short, she's like, you can do it, but it's going to cost a whole bunch of money. And I'm like, that doesn't make any sense to me, but whatever, just do it. So, I gave her my credit card information over the phone. I get my flights booked and the flight is like 30 minutes from takeoff and it's on the other side of the airport. So I run across the airport. I barely make it to the flight. I get on the flight. I fly to Raleigh. I get there at like midnight. And the next flight I had out of there was at 8 a.m. or sorry, 7 a.m. the next morning. So again, little detail that I did not know about is you having to run to get to your flight. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So all the airport seats are all the bench rests have the armrests on them. There's basically nowhere to sleep. And I'm Googling like, where's the best place to sleep at the airport? Is there a hotel at the airport? No, of course, there's not. The nearest hotel is like four miles away. Yeah. I'm not going to go get a hotel like four miles away for four hours or whatever it was. So I curl up into a chair, start trying to type my deck list out to you so that you can register us for the tournament. I maybe slept an hour on and off blinking and make my way over to the terminal at around 6 a.m. Can't check in on my phone. For some reason, the app's not letting me check in and go to the boarding agent and like show her my phone and tell her about it. And she's like, oh, yeah, you don't have a ticket. Cool. I'm like, what do you mean I don't have a ticket? I'm staring at my phone right here. It says I have a ticket. It has my name on it. It just won't let me check in. And she's like, yeah, we have no record of that or payment from you. So she was kind of new. She grabs the other person next to her. We argue for a while. Through the course of this 20-minute conversation, everybody else boards the plane. (laughs) The whole plane's boarded. I'm the only one standing there, and they're like still trying to figure out what's going on with my ticket. And through these conversations, I heard them say, the plane's not full. So I'm looking at this woman. I'm like, I'm getting on that plane. (laughs) Um, And I'm in disbelief. Um, eventually like some guy comes over to her and he's like, what's going on? The plane's got to go. And she's like, well, he's got this email confirmation saying he has a ticket, but we can't figure it out. Here's what's going on. And the guy's like, just get on the plane. Love it. (laughs) Just find a seat. Don't tell anyone. (laughs) So I stumble onto the plane and fall asleep for an hour during the flight and, um, landed at 
around 8.30, made it made my way to the site and the hotel, um, was fortunate enough to get a quick shower in before round one. Love, love that guy, airline yeah. guy, whoever he was. Yeah. So just get on the plane. Just, just go. And uh, you could definitely tell by his tone and the way he said it, he definitely wasn't supposed to be doing that. So props to him. Um, I really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's a miracle. There were so many things that had to go right for me to make it there on time. And uh, everything went against me for a six-hour stretch. And then things started to break my way a little. And they didn't stop there. So here is my side of, of things that I wasn't going to burden you with because you, you kind of had your own stuff going on. Uh, get, get to the hotel. You've told me that uh, you, you put my name on the room so I'm allowed to check in. And at this point, I'm, I'm talking to your brother a little bit and he's like, yo, we're in room, blah, blah, blah. You know, you can just come on up. And I'm like, you had told me that they, like your brother and some amount of people, had gone out to dinner and they are on their way back to the hotel. I had no idea who they was and wasn't going to ask because it wasn't relevant to like all the stuff that was going on, you know? And so he's like, we're in the room. And I'm just like, I don't know who's there, whatever. And if they're in the room, I don't have to check in. So I just go up to their room. And this also took like an hour, like for me to be in the hotel lobby to get up to the room because like the elevators broke in, baseball game just got out. So there's like all these Reds fans all over the place. And it was a mess, but whatever. Eventually I get up there, knock on the door. Uh, your Brian opens the, or your brother Brian opens the door and the room is tiny. It is, it is closet sized. It has one bed and uh, his girlfriend is there who I did not know was going to be there. His girlfriend, Christine. And so now I'm like, oh, I guess I have a different room. I didn't know that. I thought it was going to be me, you, and your brother staying together. Was not aware. Well, yeah. I mean, I wasn't either. Like, that was just my assumption. But, like, no one had told me that this was the situation explicitly. I guess I didn't share those details. But, yeah, yeah, not super relevant up to this point. My flight was supposed to land before yours. Right. Yeah. So... I was like, oh, well, yeah, I, I could have just like checked into my room and, and gone to sleep. But like now I guess I have to like go back downstairs and try and figure out a way to get back upstairs. <laughs> so like I, I did things like kind of out of order because I didn't have the information. So, you know, get introduced to Brian Christine, talk to them for a little bit. Uh, I walk over to sit down on this chair that's next to this desk and I see that uh, there is a, a Rakdos deck laid out. <laughs> and up until this point, we were talking about your brother maybe playing Boros. But like I saw Rakdos, I was like, "This yours?" He's like, "Yeah." Uh, and I was just like, "No, this is this is great. I'm I'm actually highly in favor of this. You do not have to defend yourself whatsoever." That's surprising to hear you say because I think your thoughts on Rakdos 72 hours before this were quite a bit different. They like so yes, Rakdos in general, pretty medium. However, I do a lot of thinking on planes. Normally, when I'm not trapped somewhere, I have many, many other things that I can be doing. There is infinite stimulation that exists out in the world, right? And on a plane, I have very limited access to those sorts of things. And it's it's kind of incredible where it's like, you put me in solitary and I get shit done. And that is what flying is to me. And on this plane, I had kind of a revelation thinking about 
all the team tournaments that I've played in over the course of my life and what has happened specifically like with the team constructed ones, you know, like team limited is whatever, like you get your pool. There's definitely a lot of things that you can do well and badly, but not a whole lot of them are applicable to this situation, you know? So thinking about team constructed and coming to kind of this conclusion where the teams that are always difficult to beat are the ones that just have like solid decks, you know, just like you, you, Register something like Rakdos in Pioneer for an individual tournament. I don't think it's going to go particularly well, but you pair that with, you know, two other people playing Rakdos or whatever. It's it's hard for them to beat two of you, really, especially when you give them the option to potentially like mess it up and play a deck that is bad into Rakdos, right? And it was just like, yeah, what if we just played like three rock solid decks versus like shooting the moon with things that have these very, uh, like wildly divergent matchup spreads, you know, just like a bunch of 80 20s. And then you sit down to play against someone where two of your matchups are 20 80s. Like you just have no shot. Right. And at that point I was just kind of like convinced that if not for this tournament, but like going forward that we should actually work on this a lot more and just try and have three decks that are like really hard to beat and don't try and get like too inbred, too metagamey. And I think that we were sort of on the right track where like creativity is pretty good against a lot of stuff. Like, you know, what what is its worst matchup and like how bad is that percentage? Like it's not that low. And I think that Shadow, given the fact that it's like Thoughtseize, Force of Will, like proactive with a clock, you know, it's very much the same way. It definitely has inherent issues, like hard to deal with an actual resolve permanent or whatever. But for the most part, you're you're a pretty tough opponent, you know? So then when I saw Rakdos, instead of this Boros deck that we were talking about, like the Boros, Pia, play cards from Exile, get 1-1, one, one, Showdown of the Scald, like my experience was with that was that it was pretty solid, but there were just like matchups that were really good and matchups that were really bad. And I think that that specifically pairs pretty poorly with like two solid decks, you know? I'm, I'm with you. And I think we might have accidentally gotten onto this premise that you're developing here of just yes. like play solid decks, don't give them any free wins, make them earn every inch. Yeah. And that that was exactly how I felt when I saw Rakdos. Because again, if it was like two of us that had coin flippy decks or whatever, then I would have been less happy about there being like a random, you know, Jun style deck in that seat or whatever. But it's like, well, that kind of just like completes the full picture. So I was I was just like, hell yeah, brother, let's go, yeah. you know? And I I didn't really, you know, share this because, again, it's like there's a lot of other stuff going on. It's not super relevant to the conversation. Like, maybe it'll come up later or whatever. But I'm just like, no, actually, I'm happy with this. Like, I am being sincere. Trust me. Don't defend yourself whatsoever. And we just went about talking about, like, other stuff, you know, like them living in Austin and, like, talking about, magic and how unlucky Dave was and, and and stuff like that. So it was cool. What did you guys think the odds of me making it there in time was at this point? Well, I, I think that oddly you are the person to to think about this sort of stuff like way more than us. You're like after our day one, you're like, you know, what are the odds that we make top four or whatever? And I'm just like, I don't care. Like that thought just doesn't even cross my mind. It's just like it neither me nor Brian cared whether or not you got there, we were going to be pretty happy either way. So, you know, why even think about like what the odds are? Like why, uh, why worry about it? I'm with you. 
uh, and I'll say in general, like these aren't necessarily things that I worry about. They're more things that I find as like interesting thought exercises. Um, but I am very, someone that's very much always speculating on how things could break more because I find it interesting than because I'm worried about it. Well, yeah, but also I, at this point, it's even more clear to me how much of the information I didn't have for, you know, what was going on with your stuff. Yeah. Right. Like you're not sharing every little detail to me. The fact that, uh, I don't know, there was like a possibility that like you would get to the gates and then <laughs> tell you like, yeah, you're not actually on the thing. It's like, I didn't even know that that was a possibility because, you know, it's showing up in your app, but it won't let you check in. And it's like, oh, well, I know from traveling that that is a thing that means that you might just not get on the flight, you know? Yeah. I think I got a text from you at around 6 a.m. something, and you asked me if I got any sleep, and I said, no, but I'm going to make it. And this was before the ticket incident. Oh, oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I had actually already confirmed that I was going to make it, and then this happened, and I was just, yeah. That, yeah, that would have been hilarious, because <laughs> I think the first thing I would have done, if you're just like, sorry, guys, can't make it, I would have been back. I would have gone back and screenshotted the thing where you're like, yeah, yeah, boys, I'm a lock. Don't worry, you know? <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. also at that point, it's just like your, your flight could get delayed. You don't know that. Dude, I had ticket in hand and I'm at the gate. I just couldn't get my boarding pass. It was like unlike anything I've ever seen. And like eventually what the lady ended up explaining to me was they ended up booking my flights under multiple different trips and that they were expecting me to go through security and get a boarding pass there and not just skip security. So they were like, how did you even get here? Oh, yeah, it was on a connection. But like... Yeah. Yeah, the the way it works is is super weird and I don't necessarily need need to get super deep in the weeds here, but it's just like at this point they have like booked you on multiple itineraries and they don't expect you to be on every single flight and normally so like say they have you booked on this flight that gets you in 7 p.m. Saturday, right? What the way they're supposed to set it up, I believe, is that so that if you get on a different flight, it then cancels the other flights that you're on. Correct. Because like as she's confirming my travel with me, like going through the computer system, she tells me, okay, and then you flew to Cincinnati. And I'm like, no, I didn't fly to Cincinnati. Right. I'm here trying to get to Cincinnati. Yeah. Like that's exactly. literally why I'm right here. <laughs> yeah. So it's like they have to go through and like delete all of the other stuff so that the thing that you're on like actually shows up basically. Yep. So it, it it all works like super weird. And I've I've definitely had things come up where uh I was sort of like in your situation and because they rebooked me, they just like canceled the entirety of my previous itinerary, which meant that they canceled my return flight home. Crazy. Yeah. It, it doesn't make any sense to me. I'm sure there's reasons why it's a really weird system. My gut says there has to be a better way to do it, but I'm not an expert. Yeah. Anyway, so Saturday morning for me, uh, well, okay, so first of all, hold on. Uh, back to Friday. I leave, go back down to the lobby, ch check in, get my key, go up to the room, and it is massive. Okay? The, Brian and Christine had a closet. It was It was smaller than a dorm room. And I walk into this room, and it's like, just wide open spaces, two couches, TV, coffee table, two king size beds. And I'm just like, what the hell? <laughs> Why is it my my first math mathing out was like, this is like three times larger 
than their room. And I think it's actually four times larger after just like sitting in it for a little bit longer, you know? And I just immediately text them a picture of the room. I'm just like, y'all fucked up. I don't know. I don't know what Dave did, but either way, y'all fucked up. <laughs> so anyway, I sleep uh, pretty, pretty wonderfully in this massive, massive room. Uh, go to sleep at like one-ish and end up waking up at about five because, you know, I can't sleep for eight hours in a row. It's just not possible. So like you said, I, I texted you at like six or whatever about when I expected you to be getting on your flight and just like check it in and stuff. And I'm sure that was maybe a little weird because you're like, why are you up at 6 a.m.? And, you know, good question. Didn't shock me, but it was um, it was welcomed. Cool. So Saturday morning, uh, I'm awake playing some games and then eventually meet up with uh, your brother and Christine. We get breakfast. I still have some some cards to acquire and everything. And at this point, it's like, uh, you know, you've gotten on your flight and hope that there's not something else weird that happens where it's like you land and you just have to sit on the tarmac because like they can't connect the gate or whatever, you know, like weird stuff has happened or like maybe traffic is bad. Who knows? Like it's still non-zero that you miss or whatever, but get to the site, go around to a bunch of vendors, get all the nonsense I need. We're good. We're sleeping up our decks. And just at some point you join us at the table and it's like, oh, shit, we're doing it. It's happening. And at that point, I'm on like a crazy high, unbelievably shocked that I made it. I had like ruled out the possibility of making it for quite a while. Just like enough had gone wrong in a row that I didn't think there was a chance I was going to. So that was pretty exciting. Um, still kind of like all of a, all a blur at this point. But I think I said to you, hey, like I got the next four or five rounds, but like the last couple rounds today might be a little rough. Yeah. And I totally understood that and i wish that i could have somehow like made that easier for you like lighten the load you know done whatever i could but it's like honestly dude i'm in the same situation <laughs> you know like yeah. i am gonna be a little bit sleepy towards the end of the day and uh, I, I don't think there's anything i can do about that i think we're just all in trouble at the end just gotta deal with it luckily yeah. Re really good format from Starcy on these team events. I really, really like the format that they've drawn up for these. And eight rounds in a day, I think, is like a pretty perfect number. Like it's a lot, right? But you and I have both played some nine and ten round tournaments, and that is more way too many. Yeah, Dude, the old SCG opens when it was like you know Saturday is standard and Sunday is legacy. It's just like eleven rounds or whatever. Like way too many. Plus, plus you have to play round one of top eight so you can play top four and, and finals in the morning or whatever. It's just like, oh, my God. Yeah, it is so many. And eight is a breeze by comparison, but is still more than, you know, if you're playing a nine round Grand Prix where you had like two or three buys. Right. So. Uh, it feels good. It's the right amount. It's hard, but it is it's good. Less would be too easy. More would be like okay, I am just completely on fumes or whatever. So yeah, eight is awesome. Yeah, you can actually get dinner before you go to bed. It's like, I think it's the pretty perfect amount. So Yeah, yeah, I agree. So I am on Blue Black Death Shadow in Legacy and not where I thought I was going to end up, but ended up doing some stuff to the deck that made me like it again and felt like I was, I was in a very solid spot. And for a lot of the team events that I played before, it's just like, 
Uh, yeah, maybe maybe I'm going to be the weak link and that sucks or whatever. And I didn't necessarily think that I was going to be the all-star of the team or whatever, but I didn't think that I would be the one uh, holding us down if it if it came down to like any individual weak link. So that's good. I like my spot. Yeah. And obviously, Brian was on a relatively stock version of Rakdos, which might not have been the most well-positioned deck from our perspective, but it's a deck he's incredibly well-practiced with. And again, wasn't going to give away an easy win to the opponent at any point. Um, and I was playing the creativity deck that I've been working on pretty tirelessly for a while. And I wouldn't say I felt anywhere close to as good about the deck as I did six weeks ago, but was definitely more confident with it than I had been since the one wing was printed. I kind of figured out how some of those matchups that changed quite a bit were working and things. I, I was pretty confident. Yeah, we actually sat down and tested some of the specific matchups that like also came up in the tournament and were relevant. Yes. Which was which was awesome. Absolutely. And I'll say like those matches, and this is kind of surprising for me, is they didn't actually change the way that I built my deck or sideboarded a ton right? Those changes were subtle, but they did have a pretty big influence in how I played the games. I, I think it changed your sideboarding a decent amount. That's fair. Definitely changed my sideboarding more than my list, right? Yeah. The deck list yeah, yeah. tweaks were subtle. The sideboarding changes were more. And I think those sideboarding changes were, I think, a little bit more in line with like the role that I thought I had in the game. Yes. And I, I think that if we didn't solidify the the idea of your role and what you're supposed to be doing and how you're supposed to be sideboarding that also could have potentially uh, altered how you would have changed your deck if you didn't already have those plans in mind too, right? Absolutely. So you you didn't end up changing anything, but that's because a lot of the stuff was there already and, and fit your game plan. Whereas I think if you didn't have the game plan, maybe you get some idea for like some other way to handle it or whatever. And then you make changes that end up being bad or whatever. So, yep. And it's interesting, like, it's why I think creating a sideboard guide for a deck like Creativity is harder than other decks on average, because so much of how I sideboard changes from the same matchup from player to player, just based on how the games are flowing and how aggressively my opponents play. And that's definitely something we'll get into a little bit more as we talk about the matches. Yeah, absolutely. So the the fun thing for me, which I, this is an experience I don't think I've ever had before, but definitely would have loved to have had and I think aligns with certainly where I am now where it's like I didn't know anything about your brother's games how they went anything about his deck list how he sideboarded like if you asked me to to list his deck I would have zero idea he had four fable cool yeah I mean there <laughs> there are certain assumptions I can make yeah. but at some point y'all started talking about meat hook massacre and I'm just like yo that is a card that I absolutely think is underrepresented in pioneer I didn't even know it was in his deck awesome yeah, yeah. cool and, yeah like super long story short he ended up registering the exact same 75 that he played in the RC a few weeks prior I guess that was maybe even a few months ago now at this point but him and Chase Kovac Kovac tested and built that list for that tournament pretty intensively and while Black Red did get crushed at that RC, they both did really well. Chase was the highest finishing Rectos player. I remember yes. that. Yes, in the top 16. And so he was really confident. And um, the second he decided he was playing Rakdos, just locked it in. Didn't change a card. Awesome. I know that he was like waffling between a couple things, but yeah, yep. it's kind of kind of interesting. They just ended up going with what he did before. Uh, but yeah, start start playing. And things are things are going pretty smooth and it is pretty great to just be like playing your match and then 
just being like, oh yeah, Brian won, Brian won, Brian won, Brian won. <laughs> just every single time. Yeah, yeah. And like, listen, he never won his rounds too quickly, but I, I think like at least from my seat and I was paying more attention to your seat just because legacy is more interesting to watch in general. And we're certainly not helping each other, right? No. Um, but um, still, th- there were moments where it got kind of close where it's like, you almost said something to me. I almost said something to you. But I think our record held firm of we said zero things to each other about the games throughout the entire tournament. Is that accurate? Yeah. I so at one point in the very first round, we had told Brian, hey, like no talking, not allowed. Like that's just not something we're doing. Like make your own decisions. We trust you. We're not going to hold it against you. Like own it. And in the first round, he looks at me and asks, he mulligans to six and like looks at me with a one land six card hand. And he's like, should I keep? And I'm like, dude, I'm not answering that question. <laughs> like follow your heart. Like if it's the, if it's the right thing to do to keep, if you got to take a risk to win the game, and that's what you think you should do, then do it, but own it. And and you and I just didn't didn't speak at all, right? I I do think that there were moments, right? But it was still like both of us just held back. Dude, there was at least two times where I think I gave you a look and I definitely know that you you I saw that you felt it, right? Where it was like I was about to say something, but yeah, we resisted, we didn't and um especially after any of us finished early, we would just usually typically leave the table. Yes. And maybe come back or what have you, but I actually really like that methodology of like, you leave the table and you come back and now you're like legally not allowed to. And I think it's really important for the person that's in the game to be super invested and know that like, there's no lifelines, there's no phone of friends, like the decisions are yours, make them own them. Yeah, I like that too. And uh, I think I think we might've talked about this before, but just to be clear, like I, I think that talking to your teammates is very overrated because your teammate has not played the entirety of the game up until that point like you have. And they may be missing out on certain context or details or things of that nature where it makes their answer potentially dangerous or like their suggestion potentially dangerous because they they might be giving you information that is just very ill-informed and that certainly happened with some of our opponents where it was like, uh, I'm I'm glad that this person is giving them that advice because they haven't been paying attention kind of thing. Yeah. I think there was even one round where you, somebody you had known for quite a while and you told them after like, yeah, that thing you told them was just wrong. Yes. <laughs> and, and you know, they, they went on to defend it or whatever, but that's neither here nor there. Sure. Yeah. I think like maybe one of the exceptions is, Hey, do you know what, do you have any idea what my opponent's playing? Right? Like you've seen them around tournaments or what have you. And I have a hand that like might be good against polarizing matchups or what have you. Oh, Um, I could have, I could have told you guys that info, but I would, I would rather just not. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm I'm more just saying I, I, I feel incredibly strongly that like participating or influencing any of the actual gameplay, like you're better off just not doing it. I, I straight up told our opponents what we were playing in yeah. one of the rounds. Yeah, they said they missed the last episode of the podcast, so we just told them. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So that that is to the extent that I care about things like that, both on both sides, you know? Yeah, I would say like philosophically, I think and feel that way that that's the right thing to do. But I also think it's like a competitive advantage for that, right? I think there's, it is. Some, it, there's, it, there's some advantage to even like being in the game yourself. And if you're in a tough spot and think that like you can just ask somebody else, it's like, no, like focus your energy on making the decision. Right. Like, oh, I can, if I have a tough spot, I can just ask Dave. And then if it ends up being bad, then I just blame Dave. 
Yeah. Or whatever. It's like, that, nah, take some responsibility, you know? Yeah. Own it. So, it, yeah, it is It is technically a competitive edge, but it's also like a flex when, yeah. when it works out. So, I, I see major pros to just like straight up telling them, I don't care. And I think for the most part, uh, this was maybe more true way back in the day. It was like, I was scouted by round two in all of the SCGs I played in, you know? Yeah. So again, I'm, I'm used to just them knowing what I'm playing. I don't care. Yeah. It, it's very rare for a certain hand to be keepable or polarizing in certain matchups like that. Yeah. So whatever. Yeah. Uh, day one for me, I, I started 4-0 and then I think I went lose, win, lose, lose. And certainly more towards the end of the day, I ended up playing against tougher matchups, tougher opponents. Uh, I played against Painter twice, which I knew going in was a pretty difficult matchup. And then having having actually like played those matchups and stuff, I think that I figured out a, a better plan and had more of a understanding on how the games play out and how I need to position myself and able uh, in order to better enable me to capitalize on like close games and stuff like that. And I didn't know if I was going to be able to like, you know, have that lead to anything like but it was still nice to have and then one of the matchups was uh like green sun zenith elvish reclaimer knight of the reliquary uh dark depths thing and like my opponent ended up casting a life from the loam at one point but i think that's a card that's like a one or zero in a lot of those lists you know but just historically is kind of a rough matchup and i didn't think that it it should have been necessarily all that bad but you know, things just didn't really line up, like lost the die roll, didn't have like top percentage of draws necessarily, you know, so things started like not breaking my way. And I was definitely not at a place where I was doing my best to thrive under those conditions, you know, still playing like a, a little loose, a little uh, just kind of like rusty in the brain, you know, not necessarily like firing on all cylinders and stuff. So that that didn't help my cause at all. But like, 5-3 finish at the end of the day is not bad. Yeah, definitely respectable. And I think if there's a single theme from all of our tournament that we'll get more into is we had incredibly good loss distribution. Yes, And absolutely. I think that's one of the keys to doing well in team events is distributing your losses well. Not that that's anything that you're in control of, but um, when things break your way in a team event, that's usually the variable that you're looking for. And my event was started off tough. I first round had a tough opponent in a tough matchup and a really complicated game in just game one and i was just like come on like you can't just start me off with some easy decisions um <laughs> and that kind of set the tone for me the whole day um i played a lot of different decks a huge wide range and a, a wide variety of matchups and uh, my opponents on average played really well and i played a lot of really complex games um, and I won some of them and I lost some of them, but that's not exactly what I'm hoping for and looking for on about 90 minutes of sleep. So a lot of testers and I, I think I ended the first day five, two and one. So not a ton different than you. Um, but the theme in the story was definitely Brian carrying us the whole way through. Yeah. And for rounds five and seven, when I lost, you won. So it was just like, okay, cool, that that works out perfectly. But I've played so many team events 
in the past where it's like we all three win and then, you know, two of us lose or something. That's like, why can't we just balance that a little bit better? And this was one of the few instances in my life where it was like, if I if I lost, you won and vice versa. Yep. Yeah. So we ended up finishing seven one. We did lose uh the the last round of day one where you know that that didn't come together or whatever but yeah lost fine. Seven, lost seven a heartbreaker to end the day game three of the last round i had an archon in play and my opponent didn't have an answer for it and had to draw one and he did and that happens but that was kind of the first thing all day where we were like man things were just going our way i thought they were going to keep doing that but yeah but then you take a step back and you look at it like 7-1 after day one. Would we have taken that before the tournament? Absolutely. In a heartbeat. Listen, man, 24 hours before I would have taken playing in the tournament. Yeah, just getting there on time yeah. would have been fine. Yeah. So 7-1 uh, after all of that? Absolutely. And yes. now day is over. And like you mentioned, we have plenty of time to get dinner and everything. But we we went one step further. Oh, we went for an adventure. Yeah. Uh, so. Brian's girlfriend, Christine, was there just for the times, but also she was playing in a charity volleyball tournament. Yeah. So she's a former D1 college volleyball player, and she's a hustler, likes to compete. So she found an open volleyball charity event that was about 30 minutes from the convention center. And I had never been to or participated or seen anything like this. So we were picking her brain on it all day. And yeah, I wanted to know more about like, what's the charity? What's the tournament structure? Like, how does this work? Like it's open, but it's teams, right? So like, how do they uh, decide like who the teams are? Cause like, clearly she's not showing up with like three people she knows or whatever. So all that stuff was fascinating to me. Yeah. And honestly, it felt a little bit like how I sometimes respond when somebody who knows nothing about magic asks me about it. It's like, I'm not like hiding it, but it's a hard thing and a complicated thing to explain. So she was like a little bit conservative and reserved with how she was sharing or answering our questions, but we did not let her off easy. No, Um, absolutely not. And by the end of the day, we were intrigued. So the day finishes and it's it's early enough where I'm like, man, I just want to sleep so badly. But if I go to sleep now, I'm going to wake up at two in the morning and what am I going to do from there? So it's like... I'm like, we got to keep moving. If I sit down, I'm going to be asleep in two seconds. Yeah, whereas if we keep you up... And you crash at, you know, 10 or 11 or something. That's probably pretty ideal, right? Yeah. So we need someone to keep us busy. Yeah. So uh, Brian is texting her and calling her and being like, yo, you know, where where is this place? We're done. Like, are, are you still in? Should we go show up? And she's just like, no, no, just, you know, stay. Don't come. Don't come watch me or whatever. And I was like, yo, hey, you know, over while she's on speaker, I was like, hey, this is Jerry. We're coming. I want to go. This is not like a courtesy, like, oh, we feel obligated to go to the thing. Like, I literally just want to go. Yeah. And and also, let's be clear, too. Like, this isn't a we're asking, like, oh, we're coming. Like, let's take that out of this. Like, just tell us where it is. We're going to find it. We are determined. Yeah, I, I will. I will do some Googling. I will find some spots. And the only thing that you're doing is maybe saving me from going to the wrong spot first. You yeah. know, like just help us out. We're going. Yeah. You adding a few stairs is not going to stop us. Yes. Uh, we, we got time. We're, we're on the rush from having finished seven one and everything. This is like our fifth wind of the day or whatever. Like it's go time. Let's go. So, yeah, we hop in a, an Uber, travel 30 minutes. Uh talking magic nonsense the the entire time which i'm sure just confuses every single uber driver if they're not able to just like tune out tune it out or whatever but eventually get 
to a spot where it's like, is this the place? We <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> we had talked about, well, are they going to have food there? Will there be restaurants? And I think you made a few comments of like, well, there should be civilization around this. So even if they don't have food there, there'll be things around. We yeah, get I, out was, of the I was wrong. Yeah. I was wrong. We get the, the Uber driver's like, I think we're there, but I don't really know. I don't see it. So we just get out of the car. He drives away and we're like in some like industrial park and there's just nothing in sight. Yeah. So there's there's this like massive building with fences up and it's like, oh, well, maybe that's it. I guess we just like hoof it back to the street around the fence and try and get in that way because it is very not clear where the actual entrance is, you know. It's and, very not clear if it's even the thick. Yeah. So. And and we, we get in there, get inside the fence and it's just like, oh, yeah, like here are some like volleyball courts and like people hanging out. It's just like if there is another place nearby that is also somehow like this, I would be shocked. But I don't know. They got to do something with the area, I guess. Maybe it's just all volleyball courts. Who knows? But yeah, it ends up ends up being the place. They have, you know, bar, bar food. And I don't know. There's like 100-ish people there total, something like that. Yeah, it was a party. There was music. People were playing volleyball. People were hanging out. Some people were drinking and watching. There's food. There's like auctions and raffles. Um, it was a It was a really good vibe. Yeah, they had a bunch of courts, like indoor and outdoor. Uh, I think Christine said that there was like seven and four. Yeah, or maybe. Yeah, something yeah. like that. So, and, and they, her team had done pretty well in the Swiss, so she had a break and a buy in the first round, uh, which was relatable. It felt a lot like a magic tournament. Yeah. <laughs> so she had two hours of downtime and grabbed some food with us, um, and then we got to watch her play. Yeah, we were just chilling, socializing trying to talk about non-magic stuff or at least i was you know listen man sometimes that's hard right i know i know i'm just uh very sensitive to the the company around us and try to make people feel included and i know that magic can be fairly off-putting totally fair and we did our best and christine was a great sport about it the whole way yeah so then Eventually, she she has to play. We go outside, uh, try and like watch her game or whatever. But it's, honestly, it's over pretty quickly. Yeah, and we thought she won, which shows how much we know watching it because she didn't. Yeah, and then it was just like, oh, okay, I guess. So I guess we're we're, we're just like leaving now. And yeah. it's like, yeah, we're we're done. <laughs> yeah. So the cool part was is one of the guys that she had met that played on her team lived in the area. We had never met him before. Super cool guy. Gave us a ride home. Yeah, again, I feel feel kind of weird about that because I, I we talked some magic stuff, but I was trying to not do that. But like he was still not really in on the conversation, so I did feel bad about that. But maybe more Man. entertaining for him than just driving home alone. I don't know. Yeah, I'm sure it's a good story that he's gonna remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. I, it's always hard to to picture that because I have. I have no idea what happens after the fact. And I don't know if at the time they're just like, who who are these silly nerds in my car? You know, I don't know what they're thinking. Speaking nonsense. Yeah. Get back to the, the hotel. And I don't know. Was this the day that your, your brother was trying to do like golf and stuff? I think it was. Yeah. He tries to stumble in. So there's a virtual golf bar directly across the street from the hotel. So we had every intention of going home, going back to the hotel. And he sees this as we're walking in. He's like, oh, let's go over there. And I was like, dude, it's late. 
Yeah, this was under the guise of getting Christine food. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah, <laughs> sure. It was. And then we walk in and they're like, yeah, kitchen's closed. He's like, oh, you guys want to play anyway? I was like, dude. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I haven't slept in roughly 36 hours. Like, I'm going to bed. And if we're going to do anything that's not going to bed, it's going to involve getting Christine some food. And then we we just went back to the hotel at this point, right? Or was there another stop? No, we went back to the hotel. We did okay. a quick Google to see if there were any open food places in the you know immediate vicinity. And once it seemed like the level of effort was going to be enough, Christine was like, let's just go to bed. Yeah. And then getting back to our room was something else. We ended up in a couple different stairwells. So it wasn't just me. Yeah. That- you know, so there was a wedding at the hotel. So like the normal entrance we go in is closed and then we have to go around and then the wedding is on like the second and third floor above the lobby. And we get stuck in multiple different elevators with people going to the wedding and have to like zigzag through it. And one of the elevators is closed and eventually we just find a stairwell. So <laughs> there were and a couple well, of crashing the wedding jokes. Uh yeah, the first stairwell just stopped at the fifth floor, so we had to go back and find a different one. And yeah, it was it was nice. It was a mess. Yeah, it was an adventure. So get back to the room, and I don't know, man. I'm having fun like talking to you about like both the magic stuff and just like real life stuff and catching up and everything. And I I think I kept you up a little too late. Yeah, I looked down at one point and I was like, I didn't go to bed. Um, and I think an hour later, I, we finally did go to bed. But um, yeah, man, it's fun. Like actually, you know, socializing and communicating in person, like there, there's no substitute for it. And it, it's just, um, it's awesome to to spend the time there. And like you ride the high of that. Yeah. And realistically, what we should do is try and temper that a bit and focus on the fact that there will be more opportunities for this in the future. You know, like we yeah. don't have to like get it all out in one tournament, which I'm I'm now realizing. But certainly be responsible. Yeah, but in the moment it's so hard. Yeah. Especially since I don't know, a, a lot of the stuff with like COVID starting, I, I felt that way a lot where I was like, oh yeah, there'll be more opportunities. And then COVID and like the lockdowns and stuff made it very clear to me that oh there might not be other opportunities. So now it's like I'm I'm in the moment where both I have not had the opportunity to do this in a very, very long time. And it was previously a very, very large part of my life and is something I absolutely love doing, which is why it was a big part of my life. And I am I now have this voice in the back of my head saying, this might not ha- ever happen again. Like you never know what's going to happen. Yeah. So certainly don't take it for granted. And I will say for whatever it's worth, like throughout this whole night, like my one of my favorite parts of all of it is like, making the responsible decision to try to win the tournament the next day, that was never even a thought or a conversation we had, right? We were just there enjoying each other's company. And I think that's one of the best parts about real life magic tournaments. Yeah. I I mean, the thought crossed my mind at some point where it's like, I should probably get Dave to sleep or whatever, you know? Um, But greed, greed gets in the way. Uh, But yeah, eventually like you pass out and I'm like, I should try and sleep. And it was like two or three hours of me just being unable to sleep. And then I finally think I got like an hour, maybe an hour and a half. And it was like, all right, we got to go do this again. Yeah, we get up early. I think I might have gotten five hours of sleep, which honestly felt amazing after what I dealt with the night before. But it's still I'm an old man at this point and I get seven, eight hours of sleep, you know, six nights a week at home. 
Um, and that's something that I typically need. So um, was certainly riding on empty, riding the adrenaline all weekend. Yeah. And so we we do day two and I'm trying to recall basically anything about this day where it's like, what what happened in the morning? Did we get breakfast? And I have to think about it a lot before it's like, oh yeah, we like went to this bakery or whatever. But that that kind of tells you how much on fumes I was at this point. And I I just really struggle to recall like what I played against and certainly in what round. And normally I do not have an issue with this because these are the things that I focus on and therefore commit to memory. And at some point in day two, you were like, oh, we're locked. And I was like, yo, no, we have two rounds left. Like, what do you mean? And we're like, you you said we only have one round left. And I was yeah. like, I, I didn't believe you. I was oh. like, no. Yeah. And it wasn't just shock. Like, this was a few minute conversation where yeah. it was like, yeah. Yeah. You were like, we've played four rounds. And I was like, absolutely not. <laughs> we have not. Yeah. Which is funny because I don't think we played a single round that was over quickly in either one's favor. No, but it doesn't matter. Like the key point is that I was so out of it. I just I had no idea what was going on. Yeah. So so uh things things were going well, you know. It wasn't like, oh, things were bad and I was checked out or whatever. It was like, no, we were still winning, but in terms of like my my tournament report or whatever, I can't tell you shit. I can't tell you anything. Yeah. I looked over at you after the first round of the second day and I had to have like a little, yo, you good? And I'm, I'm just like, no. <laughs> yeah. It was the most rattle I think I've ever seen you. You're, you're usually pretty stoic when you play. And it was the only time I can ever remember looking at you and like feeling like a little bit of anxiety of just like, not about any decision that you made or whatever, just your general demeanor. I was like, yo, he needs like a smack in the face or like six more Red Bulls. All, all of the above typically. Yeah, I just need to maybe wake up and get in the groove a little bit. And I think certainly towards the end of the day, I was closer to there than I was. But yeah, I don't know. I just woke up probably like in the middle of a REM cycle or something too, which is a little disjarring and had not had time for the, the caffeine to set in and like kind of self-medicate for ADHD stuff and whatever. So I was, I was out of it and just needed to wake up a little bit. Yeah. But things went pretty well for us, too. I mean, again, I don't think we had, I think we maybe had one easy round throughout the whole tournament. So every single round was a grind and a battle. And we won a lot of 2-1 matches, a lot of game threes, a lot of hard matchups. So, um, but ended up making the top six. Yeah, like in the last round, we were trying to figure out if like we could draw into top two or if it was better to just draw to guarantee that we both lock up top six or whatever. And I don't really know the end result of that. I just know that like we, we played and if we won, we would have gotten a buy. And if we lost, uh, you know, they get a buy and like, we're still in top six. So like, it's still a pretty good place to be. Yeah. I think with the draw, we were locked top two, but our opponents were not. So, um, it might've made sense for us, but not for them. So we play. Oh, yeah. So then uh, I made the comment of like, okay, guys, yeah, just stall them out. Yeah. Just stall them out. It's fine. It's like, haha, like it's it's funny, right? And then I finish my match quickly. And then Brian finishes his. I won. He lost. And then it comes down to you. 
And just like, oh, you know, is Dave going to win or lose? And then it gets down to like, oh, is Dave going to draw? And I was like, oh, shit, Dave took me literally. <laughs> like, he's he's actually just trying to stall Corey out, which, again, is a joke, you know. But, like, yeah. it's still funny that if it did come out, come down to, like, oh, Corey was going to win and, like, you eked out the draw or whatever, I was just like, oh, that looks kind of messed up. Yeah. Yeah. So Corey and I play a 35-minute game one, I think, something of that nature, a ridiculously long game one that, um, I would have told you the whole time that I was winning, but it's Corey and he's playing his deck and he does things with it that nobody else does. And I lost the game that I still can't quite figure out how I lost. Um, okay. so then we, I win a quick game two where he mulligans a few times and to his credit, he's still playing lightning fast, which I super appreciated. Yeah. Um, and then we go to game three and we're, we're both playing lightning fast. Um, okay. So I, I want to stop you here to tell you the the rest of kind of like what happened where you're you're going into turns basically yeah and i walk up to brian and brian's like oh yeah like we we got it you know don't don't worry we are we are locked we are golden and i'm like nah i don't believe you and he's like no nah, dude i was just over there i was looking at the game like here's the game state you know maybe like Corey can win with a breach but Dave has binding. He has Archon in play. Dave even has a spell pierce or whatever. And the way he's describing it, I'm just like, okay, what you're saying is is believable that he has it unlocked, but I still don't believe you. And he's just like, why not? I was like, dude, it's Corey. And he's like, I, I don't get it. I was like, dude, it's Corey. Where, you know, where where there's a Corey, there's a way. And you just can't count him out. Yeah. Because there's there's something that maybe he knows that you don't know or whatever. And he was just like, nah, dude, it it's locked. And then it's like, okay, we go our separate ways. I come back later after the actual match has concluded. I see you, you and Brian. I'm just like, what happened? And you're like, I lost. And I look at Brian. I'm like, what did I say? <laughs> you jinxed it. No, it's just like, it's Corey, man. You know, yeah. like, how, how dare you even say like, oh, Dave has it locked up or whatever. So yeah, we... We lost that round, but end up still making top six and it's, it's whatever, but it was still just a very funny moment. Yeah. Yeah. The, by the thinnest of margins, it was one of the craziest games and he was streaming it on his stream and it, the stream ended up crashing and it's so unfortunate no. because I would have loved to see that game three. Um, even on that turn five, when he untapped, I would have told you there's no chance he could win. And he through some ridiculous circumstances on the thinnest of margins found a way to combo me in a way that was like incredibly impressive. And I think there's very few people that are able to win from that spot. And uh, yeah, don't ever count Corey out. So he had, did he have zero cards going into that turn? No, he had quite a few cards. But, okay. okay. And he had, he had quite a few mana too. Like, I, I want to say he had three cards in hand. Um, and he had a grinding station in play. And like, like five or six mana. But given the way the last few turns had played out, like my expectation of his hand was that it wasn't very strong. He didn't have a lot going on. Yeah. And in talking to him about it after the match, he drew an expressive iteration for the turn and he needed to iteration into both a breach and an untapped land. Okay. And in doing that, he was able to beat a leyline binding and a spell pierce, which was impressive. And again, that's like grossly oversimplifying the amount of back and forth and the sequencing that we had and how we played those out. Um, right. And, and also all of this leading up to it is, you know, Corey basically trying to like set up this sort of thing or like still be live for this sort of thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. He did. He played. So you and I, that was a matchup you and I had played a few weeks ago. 
Um, we played a nine or 12 game set and it was one that we actually talked about on stream quite a bit right after the one ring came out. And I made a few comments to you. One, I learned in an unbelievable amount playing those games against you. And it certainly changed my approach in the matchup, but Corey took a much different approach to the games in the matchup than you did. And yeah. again, I don't know if that's just a result of the draws. I only had a, th I, I ended up playing against him twice, but it was a very different experience playing against him. And some of the angles and lines that I was worried about after talking to him after the match were like not even things he was considering doing. Okay. So which is just very surprising. To to clarify this a little bit, some of the stuff that we had talked about that Corey did differently, which I think I I can explain away to some degree, is one example is playing Casting Regavant on turn one when you're on the draw in the breach side of things, where if if the creativity player then plays Ren and Six and kills the Regavant, that is generally pretty disastrous. So when I was on the breach side of things on the draw, it was not necessarily something I was looking to do. But there are certainly situations where you just basically don't have an option because you have a bunch of things locked in for the subsequent turns that you have to do, where like holding the Regavant doesn't do anything for you anyway. So you might as well at least you know, play it because if they don't have a Ren, it's good. And if they do, you would rather minus than just like plus and get value or whatever. Or there might be situations where your hand is so bad that you might feel priced into doing it. Or it might be a situation where you have something like a second reg event that you can dash to then kill the Ren in six, right? Absolutely. And, and post-board, when you're both playing decks that have four spell pierces each, that dynamic gets even more complex because it's not just turn one, it's both turns two and three as well. Right. Uh, so then the other thing was like me sort of speaking to how I felt in the post-board games where like if I, you know, the general line is play Urza Saga as your land on turn two and then, you know, maybe you go Construct Construct or uh, Construct and then you're doing something else with your mana that turns so you don't or whatever. But either way, I felt like playing it, exposing it to a thing like a nature's claim when I wasn't leaning on the saga and the constructs to carry me, like say I had other stuff I could do with my mana. It's like, well, I can just delay playing this saga uh, when I have the luxury to, because it is a very high risk uh, for it to get blown up because it'll set me like pretty far behind. And you were saying just like, Corey never did any of that stuff. He was always just like, yeah, saga on too. What's up? Yeah. And it, again, we, we ended up playing, two different matches so obviously the games were slightly different each time but um exposing the saga to like i couldn't see the match from his side right so that might have been his only land drop or his only option or what have you but um i was never able to punish him or take advantage of those spots and those were definitely how i was winning some of the games against you yeah so it, it is interesting and obviously Corey is very well practiced and very good with that deck and has been very successful with that deck. So it is possible that he is kind of running into the corner cases that I talked about where it's like, you know, sometimes you have to do it, but in an ideal scenario, they aren't necessarily things that you would do. But like, uh, it's also possible that if we talked to Corey about this, he would just say that I was wrong for X, Y, or Z reason. And, you know, it's entirely possible that he's correct. Yeah. The, the super high level approach that I thought he took was the most different was he was leaning into the combo kill. And like, it felt to me, at least from my side, that that was like his plan A from the start. Well, and I, yeah. So you, you said that. And I think the differentiation between him and me is that he might more aggressively be going after the combo kill, but like 
I was still playing it as the combo kill was the main way that I was going to kill you. It was just, I was not aggressively going towards it, just trying to build towards it over a longer game and like build towards it in a way where I have it on lock. You know what yeah, I mean? Totally fair. Like and more more of an inevitable inevitability fashion. Yeah. He, he played grinding station on the early turns of the games a disproportionate amount. And obviously when you do that, that's both a part of your combo and a mulligan if you're not comboing. Yeah. So the ability to grind somebody out when you're doing that like goes down quite a bit too. Yep. Yeah, I definitely so, agree with all that. So Yeah. So I don't love the way I played some of the games again on Little Sleep or what have you. And I was certainly like over indexing on like not getting ground out by saga tokens when in retrospect, like I think I should have been leaning in the other direction. Um, but magic's a hard game. And especially on very little sleep against somebody who's that well practiced with the deck. Um, yeah, that's how it goes. You have anything else to add about your Swiss rounds? Like there there are a few things that I can point out about mine, but not really that big of a deal, honestly. I think like my overall theme is like playing creativity in quite a few events over the last nine months. Like I was used to getting quite a few free wins. That was like the nature of the deck where like, oh, I would just creativity on turn four, like put an arc on and play and the game would end. And like win or lose this whole event, like every single round felt like a grind. And I still think the deck's like relatively well positioned. There weren't really like matchups outside of Tron that I was too afraid of. Um, but the the easy wins seem to have dissipated quite a bit. And the, it, it's, it's, it's a grind. Um, yeah. I did have a fun match against Tron, which is the single matchup that I f would want to avoid if possible, where my opponent mulliganed to three on the play. Three cards on the play. And on his turn two, he was ahead. I kept set a good seven <laughs> card hand. And I ended up squeaking it out. He had to run pretty cold for me to do that. Um, but I looked at you and I was like, man, three cards. And I'm sitting here on turn two and I'm in the tank. That, that's just Tron things, baby. You know? Yeah. Um, not an easy matchup. Every game was a sweat and a grind. Um, I had a lot of interesting spots that in retrospect, I could have done quite a few things differently. Um, but... Uh, overall, like awesome. I still think I would have played the same deck. I would have made some changes to the list for sure. I think that Modern's in a really interesting spot. Um, and I still think Creativity is a pretty good choice for any event coming up. Um, but you, you definitely get your games and your practice in because uh, the every game plays out differently. I think I ended up playing against um, Scam six times and went 3-3 three, three even with it. And... Uh, really close matchup and did different things and played different games every single time. Yeah. Because your opponents were playing differently and doing different things each time. Absolutely. And um, I think going forward, that's like the million dollar question in modern is like, what do you do against scam and how do you beat scam? And that's the the question that quite a few people are asking. And um, you and I talked about it quite a bit and kind of where I'm at is like, I'm just going to wait a week and a half and see what the pros do. Yeah, no, I think that's a good solution. Uh, I, one of the things I saw, I think flying back again, the whole weekend is just absolutely a blur to me. So I think this is when I saw it, it was like a matchup matrix thing on Twitter where again, I don't even know where the information came from. It could have all been made up for all I know, but I assume it's legit if someone's going to put in all that work. And what was listed there was that creativity was like 52% and some change against scam. So a very, very slight favorite. Yeah. It's interesting because it's not, it's certainly a matchup. I didn't necessarily, I wasn't looking forward to playing against scam. Um, 
I don't necessarily think it's bad or what have you. I just I would prefer to play against a random deck than scam. And all of my scam opponents told me that they didn't want to play against creativity. Yeah. So I think that kind of speaks to it's just a really close matchup and it's pretty nerve wracking to play against from both sides. The games are always different and one small misstep can quickly snowball out of control for either side. Yeah, the games are super hard and both decks have an incredible power spike in them. So it's, yeah, it's really like, hard. The, both of the decks can the games can play out so differently. So like when they have a scam draw or when they don't or when they have a blood moon draw or when they don't. Um, things can it's it's a very very delicate dance so um, other matchups you might be able to play three four five match set and kind of feel like you have a good feel for how the games are going to play out and um, I've played a lot of matches against scam and I still feel like I have a lot to figure out yep so uh, in in top six because we lost like we're still in top six but we're also on the draw I think we were fifth seed yeah after the Swiss right so there's like one other team where like maybe we get to be on the play or whatever. And I, I think that that is probably the best way to do things, but also it feels so bad that like your entire team has to be on the draw. It's I, I agree with you. I was like trying to think of better ways. It feels like such a large advantage. Um, but at the same time, I don't hate the idea of rewarding the teams that did better in the Swiss, but um, they're doing and when that, that already with the buy, right? So, like, isn't buy plus you're on the play just insane? It's it's absolutely insane. And I think that when the differentiator is like a full match win difference in the Swiss, that that's like somewhat reasonable. It, but when the differentiator and all of that is just tiebreakers, it feels really rough. Yeah. So I, I don't know how I feel about it. It's it's just a lot, you know. It's so so huge of an advantage. Uh, compared to just like, you know, you, you're playing top eight and you get to go first in one of the games of three or like in some of the pro tours, a lot of the pro tours where it's like best of five or whatever. It's like going first once is, is obviously very good, but it, it doesn't feel as potentially game breaking or whatever. But just like the entire team going first through like all the rounds is, is, is so good. Yeah. And like, again, like the alternative is like, I don't really know. Do you let them pick two of the matches to go first in and we get it in one of them? Like just every alternative seems really complicated. Yeah, it is. And I I would vote for simplicity. Like yeah. don't introduce any sort of like weird gamification into it where it's like you have to stop and think about it for like 10 minutes before you give your answer or whatever. It All or none to me seems better in that scenario, but I do feel like it should probably just be random. Yeah, that's the alternative then. Just like, play it like the swiss rounds and i think that like when you do the play draw based on seeding as well as the buys i'm with you there of just like being the one or two seed is just like such a large advantage yeah it's huge which again you can make the argument for like well if they're one or two after the swiss like didn't they earn it and it's like i mean yeah but like how much do you have to reward them like you're already giving them a buy which is incredible so yeah and like sometimes the difference between second and third is just like a couple of tiebreaker points yeah, which is sort of silly. And so. then all of a sudden, one of them gets a buy, and then if you end up playing against them, they also get to go first. It's uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a lot. So uh, we got a rematch in top six against a team that had defeated us already. Uh, this is the the team that beat us in round eight. Is that true? Yeah, the team that beat us in round eight to end the previous day. So um, really good team. They played really well. They were a bunch really fun guys, and um, we had a little bit of fun when we sat down saying we were here to get revenge. 
Yeah. And I did. I played against Painter again and was able to put some of the stuff into practice. Uh, that was foreshadowing earlier in case you didn't catch that, where I was like, oh, I don't know if this will come to fruition or not. Well, it did. And I was able to win my match 2-0. I do remember that. And some of it, I think, came on the back of just like sideboarding a little bit better with more of a plan in mind and having a better understanding of the things that were going on. And I don't want to make it sound like, oh, this was Jerry in peak form because I was not in peak form at all over the course of the day and did a lot of really bad stuff on camera. I will say that. Like, I, I literally killed myself on camera in one of the rounds. And I did another thing on camera, which potentially cost me the the match uh, against the like Knight of the Reliquary player. And then I played a second copy of a Legendary Permanent on camera, which granted, which was was like in a fun game. But like that could happen in a real game because I just didn't know it was legendary because it was a new card. Yeah. Um, so, And I, I want to clarify and add a few details here. And you yeah, probably don't want to talk about this too much, but a lot of people would say they killed themselves in a game by like making a mistake that cost them the game. But no, like, I, I literally cast a card that put my life to zero. Yeah, you literally in a game dealt I was winning. damage. Yeah. In a game I was winning. Yeah, yeah. At two life, reanimate a two drop. Yeah. Um, and to be fair, you, you came back, you battled back. I think you ended up winning that match. Yeah, I 3-0'd him. No big deal. Yeah. I just like I just like play magic, you know. I just wanted to play yeah. more games. Wanted to play more games, yeah. And you can look at it like, oh, that must be like so demoralizing for you to do that on camera. And it's like, I mean, sure, I guess you could look at it that way. But is it more or less demoralizing to get three would by someone? Yeah, you know. Yeah, totally fair. And you brushed it off and came back. And um, I, I will say, I really enjoyed playing on camera quite a bit. So like props to the whole crew that put all that on. And it was, um, it was really fun reflecting back and watching games again. Um, I think both of us had quite a few interesting spots with pretty debatable lines that we took. And we've already had quite a few conversations about magic is a hard game, especially on no sleep. And um, I certainly, especially in my top six match, like have quite a few regrets about some of the lines that I took that in the moment felt right. And um, I think they were, a little bit too much on autopilot and that might be a product of no sleep or what have you, but like no excuses. I had some really unique spots even after playing the deck for so long that um, I think if I got a little bit more creative with the approach I took, I, it was definitely a game. I lost a game. I definitely could have won. It's literally in your deck name. Yeah, that's Cre fair. creativity. Yeah, no pun intended. Yeah. No, I'm saying I'm saying you got to you got to embody that, man. That's you fair. know, just just go for it. Full on embrace it. But yeah, we there was one specific scenario that we spent, no joke, an hour discussing like all the lines and permutations of the, the thing. And I don't even think it was like that particularly interesting of a scenario. <laughs> uh, it was certainly complex and it was definitely unique. And I think that's the biggest thing about one of the reasons I really enjoy modern and legacy as well is that. Um, you play so many games of the same matchup and you just get into spots that are so different than anything you've seen before. Yeah. Uh, so you're you're talking about the complexity of your games and I, I do want to speak to my experience in my format where I think that my turns on average were pretty hard, but they didn't have as far-reaching consequences as yours did. Like, you make a choice and it creates like 10 branches in the multiverse of your game. You know what I mean? 
And mine were just like, yeah, this is like kind of a tough call, but it's it's not one of five different calls that has far-reaching permutations for the future. It's just like, you know, what do I do in the spot or whatever? And I, I think that my stuff being so much more contained was a lot easier. Like, I didn't feel like I had it that bad. But you mentioned like looking over and it's like, oh, Jerry's got some thinkers or whatever. And it's like, yeah, it's whatever. Yeah. The um, how punishing the decisions can be or what the different paths that those decisions can take you down is really complex, right? Yeah, um, I, I just had like a bunch of decent to good options, you know, and then yours were just like backbreaking, like face melting, <laughs> like complex decisions where I yeah. just like you had the hardest seat by far. And granted, I literally didn't see any of Brian's games, yeah. so I I shouldn't speak to it, but it's like, ah, he's, he's in Pioneer and it's probably not that tough for him anyway. So, yeah, well, he dodged mono green all the way up until the last, you know, two or three rounds where Brad ended up beating him twice in the mono green matchup. But up until that point, I, I think he only lost one other match. So um, I assume it was pretty easy rolling for him up to there. Yeah, maybe. I mean, Rakdos can can win a lot, but it still doesn't have any like incredible matchups, right? Where it's just like, oh, you just dominate this this person or this matchup. So I imagine his games were like difficult or whatever and probably a lot of 2-1 wins and stuff. But yeah, I mean, he did come out on top in a lot of them, which yeah. was was awesome and is certainly the thing you want from a teammate that you, you are just meeting that weekend. You know, it's like, wow, this could not have gone any better for me, you know? ends up being a person I like and want to hang out with and, and talk to and stuff. And they just win all their games. This rules. Yeah. The fun joke of the weekend was like all of Brian's opponents after he beat them, told them how good their Rakdos matchup was. So our running joke was they have good Rakdos matchups, but not good Brian matchups. Yeah. That, that was, that was a me thing. I threw that in there and <laughs> it, it just kept coming up. They're just like, Oh God, my, my matchup against Rakdos is so good. It's like, well, the thing you failed to do the math on, and to take into consideration was the Brian matchup. You just yeah. don't know. Nobody knows. That's the thing. Maybe over time, we'll get it to the point where people know. They understand. Like, maybe he is the Shields brother that folks will come to fear. I, I think he's probably the one they should. Yeah, you've been saying that. You know, it's they're like, ah, you know, I, I don't know. And it's, well, you sit down, you play the games, you keep wondering, like, how you lost. At some point, you're like, well, yeah, maybe this person is just the truth. We just got to get him to show up. Exactly. That's all we have to do. And I mean, we got some events on the calendar. So that's that's step one. And one of them is in Dallas, which is not that far away from Austin. And I'm excited for that one. I honestly, we need to we need to figure out, like, I want to know how long I can go down there for and stay. Like, you know, if, if people can, like, take time off or whatever. Yeah. So the last Dallas event I went, so it's a two or three hour drive from Austin. So I went for the week and stayed in Austin with Brian and then drove to Dallas and flew out of Dallas. And that was awesome. I think um, Austin is a phenomenal city to hang out in and Dallas Convention Center and the likes is also a great spot. I mean, it's kind of Fort Worth, right? So it typical is. magic sense that we're going to label a city something else. But um, yeah, definitely a place I definitely am interested in. I also want to just highlight for everybody here that Jerry has the calendar for the future magic tournaments open and is looking into which ones we're going to. Oh yeah. So. No, I'm, I'm in like, as, as long as we have the, the squad, this was very, very enjoyable for me. And, uh, you know, a friend picked me up from the airport and they're like, you know, how was it? 
And it, it was not a thing that I had necessarily thought about or whatever, but I was just like, it was fucking awesome. Like yeah. that was just my off the cuff response was just maximum enthusiasm. And uh, at, at the at the point, I had not really, you know, internalized that until I was like forced to answer the question. It was just like, yeah, just yeah. no joke. It was awesome. There's nothing better if you ask me than paper magic events with some amount of stakes. They don't even need to be that crazy high, but something that you're invested in at a tournament with friends, the whole experience of it's awesome. And the team tournament was the perfect way to get me invested because I don't care about myself or my own personal results. But when my results are tied to someone else's, now I care. It makes it awesome. So we don't know the formats of any of these future events. So we haven't selected anything necessarily specifically, but we're definitely on the lookout for um, what can be the next one. Um, I also say like, hey, I really enjoyed just like picking an event on the calendar for six, eight weeks in the future and just like spending some time discussing and talking about and preparing for it. I think that's part of it, right? It gives us a kind of a reason to kind of follow the flow of a metagame and um, watching things evolve leading up to it and discussing them both here on the podcast and with you on the side. Like that is very much part of that experience. Yeah, super fun and has been super fun for you know, the last month or so that we've been doing it. And I, I honestly, for Dallas, I don't care what the format is. It could be popper. It could be CEDH main events. Does like, I don't necessarily have to play the main event to like go and enjoy it, but let's do it. I mean, I'm, I'm locking that one in. I, I looked at flights already. Oh, whoa. So we haven't gotten that far. Listen, I need to get my permission slip signed by the family and the wife and all of that. So let me do some exploratory digging here, but um, very high hopes. No, I'm going, I'm going down there. I'm going to hang out with Brian and Christine again. Like just either way, it's going to happen. There's no way I'm going to let you do that without being there. So (laughs) that does make my negotiating seat a little difficult. We're all in agreement here. Excellent. So no, I I just want to say that that one I have on lock, you know, because it's so, so close to him and where he lives and everything. And like the other ones we can figure out, you know, like maybe uh, there's uh, Columbus and Pittsburgh. I think both are fine locations. I do tend to favor Columbus a little bit more, but it's kind of whatever. It doesn't make or break it. So say, you know, Pittsburgh is modern and Columbus is, you know, popper or whatever. It's like, well, okay, I guess we'll do Pittsburgh, you know, or maybe the timing works out better for you for one or the other. Like, I don't, I don't really care. If we go to all three, I'll be fine with that too, but I don't expect that of you. So we could. Um, And again, if life allows it and as the formats get announced, that'll definitely influence my decisions just a little bit, just given that, again, so much of these being enjoyable for me is like the process and the experience of preparing. Um, so being a format that's like has some interesting things going on to explore is definitely part of it for me. Um, and I need to be fair to my family and the likes, right? So if I if I need to pick and choose which ones to go to, the, the format will probably be a pretty big variable for me. Um, but you also have Vegas on the calendar, right? I do. Uh, I was coerced into committing to that uh, a couple months ago by some like OG friends of mine from Minnesota. And those friends are John Pelkak and Tim Bulger, where they're there more for the Vegas aspect of things than uh, the magic side, but, you know, are magic players for life. So they will likely dabble. And, and whatnot. And this was even before like the limited thing was announced. So uh, they're probably more excited about that. But it was like, yeah, like we should just pick a thing to go to so we can rent a place and just hang out and catch up or whatever. And 
uh, that was what they selected. So cool. Yeah. And exciting. And I'm jealous. I have a wedding that weekend, so can't attend. And if I didn't, I would definitely be there. Yeah. We talked about so much stuff this weekend and I just completely even forgot to bring that up to Brian and ask him if, if he'd be interested in like Christine too. So yeah, well, that's the thing I got to ask him at some point, try and rope him in. Yeah. I, and there's a good chance you can limited is definitely, um, his format of choice. So you're not drawn dead. Yeah. Just to be clear, I have these things on the calendar and I'm willing to go to them, but I'm still very much, uh, at the point where I'm going to tell you family first, a hundred percent of the time. Always. And, I am not pressuring you into doing shit. And if anything, I'm going to pressure you to be responsible and not go. Absolutely. But if the pressure that you put on me is a negotiating chip I can use with the family, right? Let's leave that <laughs> on the table a little bit. Okay. So <laughs> we, were, we were kind of talking about this with Brian and Christine, right? Where it's just like, is it okay to like use your significant other as an excuse to skip out of a thing that you don't want to go to? And obviously there should be a conversation between the two of you beforehand where it's like, is your SO okay with you using them as an excuse? Right. And yeah. I, I feel like I'm kind of involved in that situation now where like now you're using me as an excuse to go when like I, I feel like I'm not okay with that. You know, like I, I, I don't I don't want Janet thinking that way of me. And that's fair. And listen, I think if it's mutually beneficial for all parties involved, I think some of that can be somewhat reasonable. But um, I would never encourage this type of behavior without the healthy amount of sarcasm that I will absolutely include in this. Okay. Well, just I'm just saying, you know, it, the first time I I meet Janet and things are a little bit rocky because <laughs> she you're gonna she, blame me. She kind of already hates me because I'm like taking you away a bunch, or like you're bringing me up as an excuse about like I don't want that, you know. I want to meet her on at least neutral terms. Well, it's Jerry's podcast and I'm joining you here. So that effectively makes you my boss. And my boss is putting pressure on me to attend the tournament. So I'm obligated. No. (laughs) If you're going to start spinning it that way as your boss, as you want to call, I'm going to fire you. (laughs) Totally fair. Totally fair. Um, No, actually, it's funny when I got home and Janet had realized, you know, kind of how much fun we had and all that. Like there's actually a pretty good chance that she'll join us. That would be awesome. Yeah. So it's exciting. Um, she did actually join us and quite a few friends um, for the regional championships in San Diego earlier this year. And we turned it into a little mini family vacation. And I think that's awesome. And the opportunity to kind of parlay magic events with life experiences and other people and other groups is awesome and amazing. Um, and that was part of why we had so much fun over the weekend. Yes. So kind of related to that, one thing that I almost did because I was under the impression that it was going to be me, you and Brian staying together was I almost brought my switch set up. Oh, well, that's exciting. And I ended up not doing it because I was like trying to travel light. And uh, I I think I also like can't locate one of my controllers or whatever. So it's like, I think I have like one and a half or something. It's like, no, this is just not going to be good. And I didn't have time to like go buy another, like a couple more or whatever. So in the future, that is something I will likely do. But, you know, if we're all in like different rooms or different venues or whatever, it's, you know, not 
super relevant or likely. But, you know, in this case, it would have been nice to know that, hey, there's going to be a fourth person or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah. And I also followed suit and traveled incredibly light, which is not something I always do, but I brought virtually as little as possible with me. And had I known I was going to be spending 20 hours in the airport, definitely would have done something different. Yeah, you pack a pillow and a blankie, man, at the very least. Listen, I would have I would have done a lot for a pillow. Yeah. You you offered up half your sideboard slots for a pillow at some point. And I, I, I actually think it would have had a positive impact on our EV in the tournament. Honestly, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so what I try and do is uh, do things that are versatile. Like I will have a he- heavy hoodie that I can then use as a pillow in certain circumstances. It's smart, right? And I think I, in, in normal circumstances, I'm definitely like a pants and a sweatshirt flyer. But part of the cause of all of the storms and delays was like 95 degree heat and humidity. Yeah. So I was like uncharacter- uncharacteristically like ill-prepared to like spend 20 hours in the airports that are like wildly air-conditioned to like what felt like 60 degrees. Yep. And and normally the the flights are like that too. They just they're they're very very cold, so you dress in like t-shirt and shorts or something and then I'm freezing on the flight. So if I'm going to the airport, I usually wear pants and multiple layers anticipating that and then uh, for whatever reason, two of the flights that I was on just didn't have AC and I was just sweating. So, oops. I'm a lot of things broke our way this weekend. A lot of things didn't. Look, I'm happy that it wasn't like half and half all the way around. It was like the flights were like kind of bad and the tournament was kind of bad. It was like the tournament was really good and the travel was not ideal. But, yeah. you know, hey, at least we, we ran good in one of them and uh, ended up finishing fourth good for 700 bucks each which is uh roughly a break even for me given given your stuff and i don't know how much you actually had to pay to rebook or whatever i can't imagine it was break even for you but still pretty good no like listen this is a vacation for me right like this is stuff that um i would travel for and um to be honest i haven't quite looked at there was so much chaos in me rebooking um it's not even clear to me if they billed me or charged me for it given that when i showed up to the gate they were like you don't have a ticket Right. So might have got a little unlucky or lucky there. Who knows? Um, We'll see when I check my credit card statement. Yeah, we will see. But yeah, in the future, we'll we'll try and do better. We'll try and get you to bed at a reasonable time. I'll try and be responsible. Uh, No promises. But overall, this is a good first step. Good start. Yeah. I'm an old man. Like, listen, I'm not, I can't do well on no sleep. So uh, definitely not a repeatable experience. You want to sign us out? Game. Good luck.